Welcome to the Questions of Faith podcast. I'm Tim Lorito, and today we are having a special episode addressing the subject of the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. Now, the millennial reign of Christ is a subject that every Christian should consider as part of their Christian faith. Historically, Pentecostals have focused much on preaching, praying, and evangelism, motivated by their eschatological views. Yet for many modern Pentecostals, the book of Revelation and the millennial reign has been ignored. Many others have changed their beliefs from traditional Pentecostal positions. In this episode, we'll be talking with Dr. Justice Freeman. Dr. Freeman is the Vice President for Academic Affairs at Bridges Christian College and pastor of All Nations Fellowship in New Orleans, Louisiana. Dr. Freeman earned his PhD in New Testament from B.H. Carroll Theological Institution. Welcome to the Questions of Faith podcast, Dr. Freeman. Thank you, Dr. Lorito. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, we're so glad that you're here today and really looking forward to uh, addressing this important subject uh, to us today. And before we dive into the subject here, maybe just take a moment to introduce yourself to our audience uh, personally about you and your family, your ministry. Yeah, so uh, I've been lead pastor of All Nations Fellowship um, for the past few years. I've been in pastoral ministry uh, for between 15 and 16 years, somewhere mm. around there in, in various roles. Uh, grew up as a missionary kid. Uh, my dad has always been in uh, U.S. missions, the Sons of God U.S. missions, and um, or for a long time he was. He pastored before that. But um, I'm also a Sons of God U.S. missionary there in New Orleans. We have an inner city church mm. ministering to different backgrounds, uh, the impoverished, the poor, and uh, my dad started the church there, and we started it with him uh, back in 2006. And so my wife, uh, I met her there as well, wow. and and she was a part of the team, and she's an amazing worship leader and amazing help to me. And eventually we were married. Uh, we've been married for 10 years, and we have two beautiful children, uh, Emery, who's eight, and Aria, who's five, mm. the, both daughters. And um, and we also run Bridges Christian College there yeah. in New Orleans, which is a, a debt-free Bible college. And um, you can check it out at bridgeschristiancollege.com. And uh, we offer debt-free Bachelor of Arts degrees and Associate of Arts degrees in Biblical Studies. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, appreciate uh, that, what you're doing there, both in the uh, local church and in academia. And uh, it's it's a needed ministry, and so appreciate that. And glad you. to have you today. So um, you've stated, uh, I've read some of your work uh, about uh, end times and millennial reign specifically, and you stated uh, in one of the things that you wrote about how how a person understands the nature of the millennial reign of Christ in Revelation twenty, how 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 they view that greatly influences how they interpret the rest of Revelation. Mm-hmm. So. What they think about the millennial reign impacts how they read Revelation. And so, sure. as a starting point, why should the average Christian, the average Pentecostal Christian, care about the millennial reign of Christ? Well, it's it's important uh, from a hermeneutical perspective because it impacts how you read the Bible sure. greatly, uh, whether you're going to read it allegorically or you're going to read it literally. Uh, but also, it's a part of our future as mm-hmm. believers, uh, especially those of us who hold to the premillennial position. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something we can expect and believe for, and we see it in God's word that we can trust Him, uh, that He has a victorious plan for mm-hmm. His followers. Uh, and so, it's it's very much important. It's a part of our future, just as 
Jesus's birth was prophesied mm-hmm. about in the Old Testament and Isaiah, and just as his uh, ministry and death and resurrection, all of those things are prophesied in the Old Testament. Um, we as well have the book of Revelation to prophesy as about our future mm-hmm. and about what we can expect God to do mm-hmm. um, any day now, really. Sure. I mean, it, you know, it can happen at any moment, you know, um, but uh, it's definitely in our future. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's very much important for that reason. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, of course, the Bible tells us that, you know, this is a blessed hope. Uh, this yeah. our hope uh, is something that is our foundation. You know, Hebrews tells us it's the anchor of our soul. And right. this idea uh, that when we begin to uh, allegorize or make, um, you know, that which would be uh, you know, fairly explicit uh, when it comes to the millennial reign uh, to be uh, something more allegory, then we really have, um, in a sense, allegorized our hope, right? We really have made our hope uh, more to be uh, less concrete. You know, sure. it, it makes it less concrete in our practical uh, way of, of living and the way that we uh, look towards his coming and what he's going to do. And, and I think, you know, Thinking about this, you know, this idea of, you know, the kingdom of God mm-hmm. being the main theme that Jesus preached and taught and, you know, all the parables that he shared about, most of them are about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. And it makes sense that, you know, he was he wasn't, those, those weren't, he wasn't talking about something that was just a figment of his imagination or an mm-hmm. allegory, right. but it's about a reality yeah. that uh, we are to live within. And I think that that is something that ties into this idea of the millennial reign as well. Right, right. no doubt. Um, and yeah, when when t- when discussing the millennial reign, uh, especially regarding what's in our future, the coming kingdom of God, mm-hmm. uh, we see this theme in Scripture of both and concepts. Mm-hmm. It's already not yet concept of I am saved. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, the, we're experiencing the kingdom of God. We, as as Hebrews chapter six says, we taste the powers of the age to come, mm-hmm. uh, which one day we'll experience m- more fully. Right in the new sure. heaven, new earth, where there's no more pain, no more tear. But in, in Scripture, it's it's both and it's it's already we're saved, but also there's a part of salvation that's still to be culminated, mm. and it's it's not just uh, spiritual; it's mm-hmm. it's physical. It's all included, and yeah. uh, it's not a dichotomy. Mm-hmm. It's it's what I do in the flesh impacts my spirit, and vice mm-hmm. versa. Um, Paul teaches that as well in in Romans chapter six. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. Um, so <clears throat> it's for for that it's it's important for us to understand that. Um, yeah, what's what we do in this lifetime, you know, obviously, mm-hmm. as we serve the Lord and as He anoints us to serve Him and walk in His will, uh, that we're also fully expectant of a physical mm-hmm. resurrection in the future. Yeah. And uh, that's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and something that should be of, you know, concern to the average Christian believer is that future hope and not just a uh, well, you know, the book of Revelation is hard, it's weird, I don't know about all this, you know, and so I'm just going to ignore it. It's not really a good posture for sure. the, the the believer to have concerning something as significant as mm-hmm. our future hope, right? That yeah. that posture of, well, you know, it'll all work out in the end, and however it works out, it'll work out. You know, that, that type of posture seems to me to be um, somewhat... Uh, disingenuous to the gravity of the situation and mm-hmm. the and the uh, 
you know, the, the seriousness of it. Uh, and, and, you know, it's it's like, if your blessed hope is, well, it'll all work out, it'll all be what it is, you know, how much do you really have that hope if it's, if that's your posture? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're, you're correct on that. Uh, and the reason why is because the new Testament spends a lot of time talking Mm. about our blessed hope. Mm -hmm. Um, so if they spend a lot of time, I mean, there's numerous passages, 1 Corinthians 15, mm-hmm. 1 Thessalonians 4 through 5, and and other passages that speak of this blessed hope. I mean, um, Peter talks about it. So uh, if, 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 and Jesus talks about it a lot too. Sure. So if it's such a recurring theme in the New Testament, then we definitely need to pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. And um, embrace it mm-hmm. and not just kind of put it aside as something we don't want to talk about, you mm-hmm. know, because it's maybe a little challenging at times. Uh, but it's something we need to study yeah. and 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 attempt to understand. We we understand we're we know that we're not going to fully understand every sure. single thing. Um, we're finite beings, but we need to uh, read scripture and mm-hmm. read it in context yeah. and do our best to um, uh, understand it in a way that honors the Lord and His Word. Yeah. You know, of course, Paul talks about how that we see through a glass darkly right mm-hmm. now, dimly. Yeah. You know, this is the idea of we're we're looking into things that are, uh, you know, we, we don't we would no one would say that they have a hundred percent clarity in these future events. But what I see a lot, even within Pentecostalism, is this lack of desire to even look. This yeah. lack of desire okay. to even to look into this these these mysteries into these future events they just want to act like their bible ends at jude mm-hmm. and, and to not really uh have a much concern for how how these end times you know events how they impact our 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 lives and the way that we live and historically it's pentecostals that has not been the case i mean historically pentecostalism i mean it was it is built upon in this eschatological hope right. you know uh, as a as a uh, a group of full gospel believers, right. um, the return of Christ is has been central to us, and so you know there we have to continue that is what I guess I'm I'm yeah. trying to hone in that we 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 had to continue to look into these uh, you know this this glass dimly and to continue to to see what this hope is and to yeah. to pray and to long for that yeah yeah. That's 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 great. So we we kind of have you know we've talked about here this biblical foundation why it's important to to think about these things to talk about these things uh, and to address them. So how specifically is the millennial reign connected to the resurrection? Yeah. So uh, regarding the millennial reign, when you read Revelation twenty uh, one through six, specifically four through five. Uh, we see there that there's two resurrections there in those verses. Mm-hmm. One is of the resurrection of the martyred dead mm-hmm. who had been martyred during the Great Tribulation. And this is after the uh, Great Tribulation. Uh, Jesus has returned at this point. Um, and then it references that there'll be a later resurrection of the wicked mm-hmm. uh, to to a final judgment. Uh, and of course, there's... A resurrection before that, which is the rapture, mm-hmm. which is First Corinthians 15 talks about that those of us 
who are uh, here on earth and those in the grave will be resurrected first. That's before the mm -hmm. great tribulation. Uh, and so uh, the, the dead will be raised first, according to 1 Corinthians 15 and 1 Thessalonians 4 through 5. And then we as well will get new bodies. And um, uh, those of us who are still alive will be raptured with Jesus. So that's a resurrection before mm -hmm. the great tribulation. Uh, Revelation 24 through 5 is dealing with the resurre uh, resurrection after mm. the Great Tribulation of those who had lost their lives during the, uh, during the Great Tribulation. Mm. And so that leads into the millennial reign, which is Jesus' reign here on earth for the thousand years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this, this idea of resurrection is really important connected to the, the, this millennial reign. It's, it's this, mm -hmm. this thing that is this catalyst entering into this new uh, kingdom, into this mm -hmm. new uh, age of reigning uh, with Christ as his uh, representatives. And, and this, it's this idea of the kingdom of heaven being fully realized on earth mm -hmm. for the first time as you alluded to earlier, this uh, not-yet-already type of paradigm that we're currently living in, there's coming a future moment in which uh, we will live in the fullness of the kingdom here on this earth and reigning mm -hmm. with him for a thousand years. And the resurrection is, in my mind, is vital to that, to living within that kingdom uh, with Christ resurrected bodies to be able to to reign with him for a thousand years and to be able to um to live in that that perfect sinless state mm. with with him and his kingdom um you, you we're not going to be able to do that in our present mortal mm -hmm. constraints and so uh the resurrection is uh is central to that right yeah yeah and 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 uh you know as Christ has risen from the dead, and we we actually have a whole podcast on on the resurrection of Christ. You, if you haven't listened to that, you may go back and 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 yeah. key up on that one. But this idea of what Christ did on His resurrection was the first fruits of what He right. wants to do with with our uh, right. mortal bodies. This this mortal will take on immortality, uh, yeah. as you mentioned in First Corinthians, Paul. 15, Paul uh, talks about it with that. And so this is the uh, culmination yeah. of that blessed hope in 1 Corinthians 15 of uh, this uh, mortal taking on immortality and it's right. this pathway into, um, into living within the kingdom in its fullness. And those, those that want to make that an allegory, what are they, what are they missing there? What is, what is, what are the implications of that? Well, there, there's several, um, you know, there's some, the amillennialist perspective would allegorize uh, Revelation 24 and 5, mm -hmm. and they would understand the uh, resurrection of the righteous there um, to, um, in verse 4, to be more of a spiritual regeneration. Mm -hmm. uh, Maybe for our listeners' sake, sure. help us, what is, an a, what is amillennialism? Yeah, so... Uh, those who hold the pre-millennial view mm -hmm. of Revelation hold that there's going to be a literal thousand-year reign mm -hmm. on earth, and they see uh, the resurrections of Revelation, uh, Revelation 24 and 5 as literal mm -hmm. and physical. Um, those who hold to an amillennial position view uh, Revelation 24 through 5 through the lens of allegory, mm -hmm. that it's, it's more of just spiritual regeneration, 
Um, the thousand year reign is not literal, mm-hmm. uh, but really it the kingdom of God kind of rests within the individual. They're walking in the kingdom of God. We're that's, living within the millennial reign right yeah, now. Yeah, that's of kind yeah. of the idea of the mm-hmm. a millennialist position. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> that is um, more allegorical mm-hmm. uh, in that sense. The, the issue is, um, I think, twofold w- regarding how why there's an issue with attempting to allegorize that mm. passage. Number one, um, is just the resurrection of the wicked in verse five is clearly physical. Mm. Um, and it's the same Greek word mm-hmm. for the resurrection of the righteous in verse four as it is in verse five, azazen, uh, they came back to life. Sure. Um, so you have that challenge. Why would you understand a Greek word in one verse to be one allegory, way, and then the other way, and the other to one be to be literal. totally differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, that just is, presents all kinds of hermeneutical challenges. Uh, and then, secondly, um, you also have um, John, the writer of Revelation, doesn't give us any clear indication that it's to be understood mm. differently. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's important for our understanding of of writing. Uh, reading, excuse me, reading uh, the Bible in a literal way is that we have to read what the text says mm-hmm. and interpret it the best to the best of our ability uh, within its context. Now, of course, there are some symbols, sure. no doubt. There are symbols in the book of Revelation, like the beast mm-hmm. uh, symbolizes the Antichrist, the lamb would, would symbolize Jesus. Um, but we understand that those are symbols for literal Persons, sure, and and there's symbols for literal events, mm-hmm. uh, and so and they're to be understood that way. The text gives us indications of that. So, um, the challenge of reading things from an allegorical method really is it presents all kinds of hermeneutical challenges. There, if you're going to stay consistent mm. with the text, if you're going to read it, uh, there's just uh, I just don't see any other way. Mm-hmm. Of reading it, other than the the literal way mm-hmm. as as it was intended to be read, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, John is seeing this vision, but he's writing it down as he saw it, and um, it just it, it makes more sense to interpret it literally. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and uh, specifically connected to you know this idea of what's happening with the resurrection, I think is is really important that we hone into what we're what is the potential things that we're saying here when we're saying this resurrection is mm-hmm. is an allegory, you know, this type of res- resurrection is an allegory, when the resurrection throughout Scripture is not used as an allegory, but right. it's used as our future hope. <laughs> right. right. Paul in First Corinthians 15, he's, he's not talking about an allegory. He's, right. he's making a firm statement about what our hope is of the resurrection. Right. And I think we tread on really, uh, you know, unstable ground when we begin to allegorize that which is our future hope of resurrection to being simply that of salvation. Yeah, and that that also, re- going back to the context of Revelation, it's why it's so important to read Revelation in context. Because mm-hmm. the Greek verb there in Revelation 24 through 5 is used... Uh, in reference to, or a little bit earlier, to Jesus's resurrection yes. early in Revelation. So it's it's like, well, clearly that's not allegorical. You're Jesus right. didn't, uh, you know, didn't allegorically. He literally raised from the dead. Right. You know, he, he's so you have to keep it in context. It's so important to read it in its context. Um, 
of Scripture, and, mm-hmm. and I think it's consistent yeah. to do it that way. been a, a recent push within Pentecostalism to adopt this amillennial perspective of the millennial reign. Um, and so what are some, we've kind of hit around this, um, but really focus on this in this uh, question here, what are the implications of shifting away from a premillennial perspective to an amillennial view of the millennial reign? So I think that the implications of the shift um, impacts how one reads the Bible. Mm. Um, yeah. y- you know, like I said, you have to read it in context and um, read it um, as literally as possible. Of course, there are visions with images and things that, that represent um, literal uh, persons in the book of Revelation. We understand there's things seen in heaven, uh, maybe like visions of Ezekiel or Isaiah, they saw some things in heaven that probably are literally that way, but mm-hmm. that's in heaven. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're dealing with events that are going to take place here on earth in the future with the great tribulation and the different plagues and things like that. So I think that it, to... the the concern of mine, especially practically speaking, and as a pastor who's mm. discipling people, is I want my uh, people in my church that I'm discipling to read the Bible literally mm. in its context. Mm-hmm. And if I go uh, the route of teaching them to read the Bible allegorically from that methodology, uh, then it could result in all kinds of varying interpretations mm-hmm. and things and routes we do not want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it impacts um, uh, one's hermeneutic mm. uh, in a way that I would not want it to mm-hmm. to go. Yeah. And practically speaking, you know, uh, the way that you read the Bible impacts the way that you live. I mean, it can't sure. help but yeah. do that. And so, um, you know, it, it impacts the way that you, you think about uh, in this context about the millennial reign, our future hope, um, and what God has in store for uh, for His people. And uh, so, yeah, it, it has real, although we're talking about future events, it has present-day implications, yeah. and um, I, I can't think of anything more that impacts our, our present than the way that we view our future hope. Yeah. Like, that that is our future hope just to me from the way i read the new testament it's the driver of the new testament authors yeah. there that's their uh you know it's it's all about that future hope it impacts the their mission the why yeah. they're going why they're doing what they're doing the why. urgency yeah, yeah exactly. all of those things and, and i think that that's why as well the assemblies of god has been such an amazing mm-hmm. missions movement right sure. Uh, you know, our forefathers had us, uh, and and so do our current ones as well. The the leaders have like this sense of urgency. We've always had that mm-hmm. in our movement, and uh, which I think is really important. The Great Commission is uh, needed 
now more than ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the co- it's always been important. It always has been, but we're getting closer and closer to the second coming uh, and the rapture. And we don't know when Jesus will come back, you know, but he can come back at any moment. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's a driving factor evangelistically that mm-hmm. we understand that um, we need to reach people for mm-hmm. Jesus uh, mm-hmm. while we still have uh, time to do that. And so practically speaking, yeah, it has great implications mm-hmm. for the mission of the church mm-hmm. um, and as well to um, encourage us to always remain ready. Mm-hmm. And that's the teaching of the New Testament. I mean, Jesus talked about that all the time, being mm-hmm. ready, mm-hmm. being ready. You don't know when he's coming back, being ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a major theme of the New Testament. They were all living ready. Yeah. And so we want to live ready. Yeah. And we want to encourage and disciple people to be ready, to mm-hmm. to make disciples, to to raise their families in ways that honor God and, mm-hmm. and to live for yeah. the Lord. Yeah. And as people that are living within the kingdom of heaven now, um, you know, it, the millennial reign should excite us. It yeah. should be this, uh, that hope, which is, I'm, I'm living in the kingdom of heaven now, um, desiring to live in it in its fullness. Yeah. When um, the king has come and he is ruling and reigning. And to rule and reign with him is is the hope of the resurrection and the believer. And that that idea of, I think part of the problem might be that within modern Pentecostalism, the idea of living within the kingdom of heaven is a concept that most aren't really familiar with. They don't really grasp or haven't really thought about a lot. And if you haven't, uh, we actually have an episode on that. You go back and and and, and revisit that, and refresh on that. But but when you have that perspective of living within the kingdom of heaven, that you have that anticipation yeah. for the that fullness to come about in this uh, future age, right? Um, should cause us both urgency, as you mentioned, in mission and excitement for our future and excitement yeah. for this kingdom that is to come and right. um, to participate in that and not an allegory, right? I'm not participating right. it in a, uh, you know, some symbolic way, but I'm. it's a real thing. I'm yeah. really, right now, I'm really living within the kingdom of heaven. Yep. I'm living it out. Um, his kingdom come, his will be done right. on earth as it is in heaven is my prayer. And I'm praying that now. And I'm praying that for now, and I'm so excited about living within that kingdom in right. a real sense, not in some you know allegory sense, but right. actually living in that through the power of the resurrection. Yep, is a driver of of you know my life, and yep. that is is something that when we lose that, uh, it, man, it has some some major implications to it. Yeah, and and I love. I mentioned it earlier, but what Hebrews 6 says, mm. um, talking about tasting the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you taste something, you know, <laughs> uh, you want, if it's yeah, good, you yeah. want more of it, yeah. right? And so we're, we're, when, you know, we lay hands on the sick and, and we believe for healing and God heals people here and now, but imagine what it's going to be like when none of, there's, none of that's, Ever, yeah. no pain is ever going to exist again. We're yeah. going to walk in complete 
total, no sickness mm. whatsoever mm. in the future. Yeah. And so that is, that's something to look forward to mm. and a, in a literal sense yes. and uh, not in an allegorical one. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's so good. Thank you. So historically, uh, the Pentecostal pulpit focused a lot on eschatological or end time themes. Mm-hmm. Uh, f- just from your perspective, uh, how how do you see the modern Pentecostal pulpit addressing these end time events? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know the statistics on this, or um, I don't know if I could give a, a complete answer. You know, mm-hmm, sure. but I, just from my experience, I haven't. I know of some that are uh, spend time on it. Mm-hmm. I think it's a mixture. Uh, it depends on the the model, the person. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I think it depends on the ministry model of the person, uh, where they're going to go. Um, personally, I, I think that from somebody who's been in higher education uh, theologically for mm-hmm. a while, since 2014, I've been teaching Bible college in 2014, and, and I've taught the book of Revelation for six years at, at Bridges. Mm. Uh, I think that... Those uh, who feel most comfortable with teaching end time events, from my experience, and like I said, this is my experience. Sure, this is yeah. not, I don't have, you know, concrete evidence or anything like that. But from my experience, what I've observed is, is that I, th- I think probably lack of training mm. plays a part in those who decide to steer away from uh, end time discussions, mm-hmm. lack of theological training. Um, that's my opinion on mm-hmm. that, and I think that those who have more theological training, maybe have been to Bible college or things like that, and have been taught um, theology, they feel a little bit more comfortable, so they'll spend some time talking about it. Uh, that's just it in a nutshell for for me as far mm-hmm. as like my observations. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I haven't really f- formed an opinion one way or the other, whether it's being done enough or not. I just know what we're doing mm-hmm. in our ministry context yeah. is we value it and think it's very much important. And I, as far as my opinion about should it be taught from yeah. the pulpit, I, it should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, it needs to be talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's what I feel about as far as talking about end time events. It, it needs to be because mm-hmm. it's such a common theme in the New Testament. Sure. Um, even on a Sunday morning, there are times where we might be preaching a message that may not be in the book of Revelation or in 1 Corinthians 15 sure. or in 1 Thessalonians 4 through 5, but it will still come up mm-hmm. invariably in some different way because mm-hmm. that is our expectation. So uh, do I think it needs to be uh, absolutely preached on? Yes, it mm-hmm. should be. Yeah. Um, how much is that happening? Mm-hmm. You know, um, is it happening enough? I, I don't think I know enough to, to answer that, mm-hmm. you know, as far as like sure. the the scope of the, the church mm-hmm. as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 No, I I, I think think you're spot on 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 I think some within the um, you know the, the pulpit feel maybe um, you know, because it is it is take some digging, take some work, mm-hmm. take some uh, learning of how to deal with some hard passages and her- hermeneutics and those type of things um, that, you know, maybe feel maybe intimidated by trying to preach out of Revelation or those type mm-hmm. of things. Um, but that that by doing, by not preaching those things, it really is, a, it, it impacts the people, right? It impacts sure. the pew. What happens, what yeah. happens across the pulpit 
uh, impacts the pew. Uh-huh. And my observation, you know, just seeing, I mean, I, I just remember it seemed like almost every week or every other week, there was always a sermon that was just, if not the specific point, yeah, it was it was a part of the message was Jesus is coming soon yeah. and and you need to be ready yeah. and that you know the judgment was coming the resurrection I mean it was it was always yeah. it seemed to me to be the central theme of a lot of preaching yeah. and just you know again just my observation I've seen it there be a lot more uh, dealing with some of these uh, you know cultural issues, you know, wanting to deal with some more, uh, quote-unquote, relevant yeah. topics. And not that those don't need to be addressed, but uh, it seems to be that what has been... You can't preach on everything, right? You, sure. you have to choose. You can't preach on everything. But what has often tended to be cut out a little bit, if we're going to make room for other things, uh, right. has been... The first thing that's easy to cut out is some eschatology, because... Yeah. One, it's controversial, and two, it's hard, and three, you know, I don't know if people are really going to care about this. You know, all those types of reasoning behind it, Um, but uh, I think if we're not careful, we can uh, really damage um, the future hope of those that hear us, um, because they really haven't got a grasp of what their future hope is, um, because we really haven't showed that to them. Well, I definitely think that you know, in in attempts to be more secret sensitive. Yes, yes. Uh, people have cut out things like judgment mm-hmm. and hell, which you know we preach on that in our church. You know, True. we talk about the judgment, we talk about hell, mm-hmm. and things which like, is Revelations twenty. Yeah, so it's, it's. I mean, it's yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and so um, I think that's definitely a part of it, um, and I think sometimes too. Um, the concern is, you know, in dealing with okay, um, people in their life and and life principles, mm. that's it can be too focused sometimes mm-hmm. on um, life principles rather than looking at the global spectrum of like, hey, uh, we do need to be ready. We need to live for Jesus. We need mm-hmm. to people need to know how to serve Jesus in their jobs every day. They need to know sure. how to serve the Lord in their homes and to mm-hmm. lead their families well, but. We also need mm-hmm. to fully expect that Jesus' um, second coming is mm-hmm. right around the corner, whenever yeah. that may be. So. Because that in- impacts how you live in your home. And right, how exactly. You, you know, so, it, it, yeah. it, they're not disconnected themes. Yeah. I think, uh, if we're not careful, that can be a perspective, is that eschatology is this unrelated theme right. to everyday life. Like right. It's this detached future thing that is good and you know it has value but it doesn't really it's not connected to the here and now correct and you know connected to the kingdom of god now and it, and and that's just you know not a correct paradigm or perspective no i mean in the new testament letters and mm-hmm. the books they all include those themes in them yeah. so uh obviously it's important for us the mm-hmm. whole everything yeah uh, it's all included it's both and it's not either or it's mm-hmm. it's not excluded yeah absolutely very good I, i've enjoyed this so in conclusion uh in what ways does a person's reading of revelation and specifically the millennial reign of christ practically impact the life of the christian so you know we've, we've kind of hit on a couple of these mm-hmm. things but maybe point out uh, if you can a couple things that 
uh, why should they care? Uh, why should we care about reading Revelation and specifically the millennial reign um, and uh, its impact in uh, our lives? Yeah, I think that number one, we need to understand that God has great plans for us. Mm. Um, that He, His church, He's got victory planned out yeah. for His church, uh, and as we stay faithful to Him. As we live for Him, He's got great things planned out for us. And so the book of Revelation, it is talking about, while there are events in the future, it and there are some things that happened during the Great Tribulation that are um, difficult, you know, as judgment poured out on the world, and of course, um, the rapture happens before that, uh, before the Great Tribulation. But... Um, while it looks dark there, we understand that uh, God uh, does have victory for His people, and, and we have a great future ahead of us. Uh, and secondly, practically speaking, and I kind of referenced this a little bit earlier, is um, it it impacts how we walk for the Lord and, and live for holiness and, and ensure, ensure that we're being ready mm. uh, for His return. Like I said, we don't, we don't know when it's going to be, but it can happen any moment. And... Also, we need to tell others about Jesus. Mm. Um, it doesn't matter how old or how young we are. Uh, our job is to go make disciples. Mm. Not everyone's called to be in full-time ministry, maybe, but mm-hmm. everybody's called to be a disciple maker. Mm-hmm. And uh, we need to uh, share the gospel so that people have an opportunity to either choose or reject uh, the free gift of Jesus' salvation. Mm. Yeah, that's so good. I uh, really uh, l- love what you said there, and really liked how you talked about that idea of how um, you know it, it's practically helping us to recognize our our future is a, a good one. It's a mm-hmm. positive one for those who are in Christ, yep. and in a day and age that's filled with uh, so many people uh, that have so much anxiety and so mm-hmm. so much uh, you know depression and mm-hmm. so many. Uh, things like that, um, you know, and frankly, it's even uh, in the church, you know, some mm-hmm. of those things that, uh, and obviously we go through hard times in our lives, but that future hope yeah. is uh, a centerpiece for helping us through tribulation, and yeah. through, um, you know, Jesus said in this life, you're going to have tribulation. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Yeah, amen. And, uh, that we study these things and learn these things, um, not just out of a theological head knowledge, mm-hmm. but out of something that uh, is desiring to transform our way of living uh, to help us as we go through this life that is uh, not easy. And mm-hmm. we live in uh, the midst of the kingdom of darkness as well. Right. And to uh, to know that the kingdom of God will prevail mm. and that he will rule and reign yeah. and that we get to be participants in that uh, is our hope. And it's exciting. Yeah. And when we're overwhelmed and we're burdened and we're, we're suffering for the name of Christ, we can lean on our future hope and know it's not just an allegory. It's not just a figment of... Uh, imagination, but it's a reality that uh, we get to experience and will experience as we keep our faith and trust in Christ. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and uh, talking to us about this important theme. And God bless you, your family, and your ministry. Thank Thank you so much for having me.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Questions of Faith podcast. If you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing and writing a review on your preferred audio platform. That would really help us out. This show was produced by Brad Stevens, theme music by the band Liquify. Questions of Faith is a ministry of Faith Tabernacle Assembly of God located in Denton, Texas. The goal of this podcast is to equip the modern day Christian with answers to timeless questions. If you would like to submit a question that may be highlighted on the show, you may do so by emailing us. That email address is questions at ftdenton.com. You may also submit a question by messaging our Facebook page, Questions of Faith Podcast. And until next Monday, God bless.